Tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. And welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. It's a full house this week. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by Sam, Jackie, Dave, and Tristan. And this week we've been playing Empires of the Void 2. So this week we had a massive five-way romper in space with Empires of the Void 2. This is an area control game based in the outer reaches of the universe where you each play a different faction of aliens with some unique abilities and you're exploring planets or attacking planets, laying down bases and cities, and generally trying to achieve some victory points by completing random objectives and getting one over your mates. Um, How did everyone enjoy this game? I quite enjoyed it. It's not my usual um, thing that I'd go for, to be honest. And when there's a lot to take in, to be honest, when, when... the rules are being explained to me. I had that moment that you see in TV and movies where the person's voice just fades out and then in your head is just random music because I, <laughs> it was just like so much to, to take in. I was just like, right, I'll just have to see it played, really. Um, and then I ended up being first player, so I was like, right, well, scrap that plan. Uh, just just have a go and see how it goes. Um, but it was good. I quite I quite liked it. Not my usual, but yeah, I quite liked it. Yeah, it was an enjoyable game. I uh, At one point, I described it to Tristan as Eclipse Light, and then he looked at me and went, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, kind of. It kind of scratched that itch a little bit of um, flying around space, upgrading tech slightly, and then just trying to fight people. Um, but it was nowhere near as complicated. Uh, it played a lot quicker, although with five of us, it did kind of grind to a halt once or twice. Um, but yeah, it was just a really fun game. The artwork's beautiful and the um, the flavour text on some of the cars kind of drags you in. It's very minimal, but you do feel like you're telling some stories. Yeah, it's more more implied than a full description, isn't it? It lets you sort of write your own story with the flavour text. It's not it's not over the top, it's just enough to sort yeah, of sow the seeds of, a lot of what's going on in the world. and A lot of blanks to be filled with your imagination. Yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah. voids to fill. Ah, exactly. <laughs> it's um, it's the second version of uh, Empires of the Void from Ryan Lorcat. Uh, did anyone play version one, Dave? Never even heard of it. Never, never even. What is the one? Yeah. Is there? This is number two. I know, but have you ever heard of the first one? Did you ever see yeah. it? Because you're you're quite a Lorcat. Sort of fan. I've I've become a low cap fanboy, but only later on in life. So you've not seen the original. Well, so I've not I've not played the original. Right. Um, but as soon as I knew he was doing a space fairing, well, it, it is out. It, it was out there. It was Kickstarter, so I think it's all gone now. But th- so this is what's left. So this is after years of retooling, tweaking, mm. and revisiting, and and whatnot. So I don't know how the first one played, but I really enjoyed this. It's um yeah, it's another sort of low cap game so all of his are of a style which means you know victory points and finishing perhaps more quickly than you'd expect maybe like the the end game sort of creeps up on you um beautifully presented interesting i, I 
didn't agree with Lucky necessarily about it being eclipsed light, but I can see why you said that with the, like you say, there's the tech tracks and building things and stuff. Snack Eclipse, Eclipse incredibly light. Diet Eclipse. <laughs> yeah. It's the 20 gram version. It's, I think it's got more storytelling than Eclipse because there's more events and because of the world, because of the fixed map and the, like, the planet names and things, it's got its own identity. So you have like, events that occur that feel like they're happening, whereas in Eclipse it's just all out war and violence and every tech you get is to make your ship more killer, uh, whereas in this you can get techs which actually help you build things or help you hide from things because uh, there's, there's big space tentacle monsters in the middle of the map that you have to roll to get past. <laughs> what did you think of those, Dave? Uh, never, never, never encountered one. Yeah, yeah it didn't really impact never... the game, by the time... Did it, did it at least make you choose a different path to yeah, go down? Like yeah, I just didn't go that way until I had... Yeah. Uh, you can get like cloaking technology and that will uh, you basically just bypass everything, don't you? Yeah. So And it was the same in the like the other game that we played. Just didn't go near him. I the think you two, did. We had a two-player game, didn't we, on Monday? Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we tried it out on Monday. Um, but yeah, just didn't go near them. I, I, I don't know, did they add much? They just had a tech tree. Like a tech, really. Because to me, you're just wasting time trying to get past them otherwise, especially with my dice rolls. You're risking yeah. a, a command point, aren't you? It's like yeah. an action point, basically. Yeah. It's, an, it's a nice early game push-your-luck mechanic before you really like start teching up and getting some of those extra buffs. But like you said, the map's so big anyway, you could just go around it. And... I kind of felt like the map's a bit small. Like The planets are big planets. Like the Each planet takes up a lot of board space. There's only eight. I think that's to encourage player interaction because yeah. we we played it with five tonight so i'm we not had... having a go right? no I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> you said it was you thought it was small it's, t- it's tight isn't it it, it, <laughs> it does, is yeah like, yeah in, in eclipse it's a few rounds before you even discover each other isn't it and there's some people might be so far across the other side of the map it's going to take you even longer to get there whereas this you're almost directly connected from the outset i mean there was Sam and from the were, beginning <laughs> they, had, like... they had the war of the ages between them <laughs> and i think i managed to sneak around the top end of the map without much bother until you and me sort of went head to head towards the end of the game yeah. and jackie did, did you fight anyone or you just nicked some uninhabited worlds right yeah i i my strategy was to make friends um <laughs> and i found a planet right at the beginning actually it was the first planet ever to get uncovered and it was Three victory points. The one with the hidden city. Yes, the hidden city. Yeah. That, that was like the first go, wasn't it? Yeah. Like straight out of the game. Yeah. yeah. Victory points, plenty. Yeah. So yeah, good. it basically put a big target on its head. So Dave went after it, and then I went after it, and it was yeah, it was something to go and get straight away. Yeah. So it that pushed me forward a little bit, which gave me some encouragement, and um, then I just sort of hopped around, got all the unexplored little planets, and. Then just try and make friends with the bigger planets while everyone else was attacking them. Because I just got the impression that if you attack the planet, it's not worth as much as if you are friendly to them. Well, yeah. Oh, go on, Dave. I was going to say, like, optimally, if you can, if you can invade a planet and then make friends with them, <laughs> like that's worth the most victory points. But it's really hard to do. Like well, that's what I was doing, wasn't it? That, yeah. Those planets in the corner, I yeah. invaded them, then put influence on them. And then, like, he just came in and took them over. That's exactly what happened with me. Like, I I invaded the planet and was going to get influence on it, but Jackie came along, made friends with them, and I couldn't get the influence back after that. So I kind of left it. But, but yeah, it's it's difficult to do, but it is the optimal way to make the victory points from one or two planets. Yeah, yeah. And also the, uh, the guys in between 
spaces, you know, the the space monsters and the tentacles, asteroids, the tentacles, yeah. yeah. The, the um, pointless things. Yeah, yeah, it didn't... Yeah, I was just I was going to mention because they do seem a bit pointless because I found a wormhole on a planet and it sort of connected both ends of the whole galaxy together. So we didn't even have to actually encounter any of those things either. I quite like the design of the map. Um, there's plenty of paths around, paths around all the planets. Yeah. And it, I never, although like Dave's saying, it's, it's a large board, although it is quite, um, I wouldn't say it was too busy, but it's really easy to see where you can and can't get around and what's going on there. That was the point I was going to make before. When when there's less, when there's five players, you've got the entire map. When there's less players, it has like, um, you put these Sarkeen Regency tokens down on a whole bunch of the planets, like more planets if the, the less players that there are. And it sort of funnels you down into shrinking the map so that you still have the player interaction at whichever level. Um, and if it's less than five players, if you go for one of these Sarkeen Regencies, they're like AI uh, baddies that you have to fight against that are really really hard so it's sort of it's a nice way of blocking off the map effectively but also if you do chance it you have a big battle and it's worth quite a few extra victory points yeah. that didn't come up tonight but i thought that was a nice mechanic for sort of uh, using a static board and, and keep giving it a variety each yeah. time because I, I will admit i was when i saw the board the board is beautiful but i thought well eclipse has that edge in variation because you join all these hexes you're exploring as you go whereas this is a fixed map but actually the way the planets come out every time is different. And mm. yeah, at the, at the lower player counts as well, you get that variation in, in shut up. Yeah. The, the, the planets have different events with them from game to game as well. Like the, they're going to be slightly different every game. The planets that you bring out, there's going to be a couple that are different, um, which I think there is some variability there. I don't know how much. Yeah. These expansions. I th- I well, think, yeah, the, the way that they play is, and the planets are set up, it's just kind of begging for mm. some expansion material, isn't it, really? You get, um, like, I think, something like seven events per planet, and each of those, each of those events will only appear once yeah. in a game, and they are quite game changing. Like the one that me and Dave played had this. We we got the intergalactic fungal infection, and um, it meant that it meant that my ships got this horrible spreading fungus, uh, which started eating away at them. Um, but then I realised I could go and give it to Dave, so we went and had this scrap, and he got it. So all of our universe it didn't was... affect your ships at all. You <laughs> dice roll because you rolled dice, don't you? And not none of them. And then all my ships started blowing up. We found a fungal patch um, that, that cured it, <laughs> but yours so, got ripped to bits. So oddly enough, the planet that it came from didn't find its way into tonight's game. Well, yeah, I think there was there was a bit of jiggery pokery with that event removed at the start. I think as soon as as soon as we pulled that event, we were like, no, that's awful, absolutely awful. But actually, it was kind of funny when it? it didn't. It didn't yeah. It could have been really fun in five players trying to spread it to every if, I think single the only The only reason it was an issue was because of events. like You had to retreat to that planet. That was the only place you could go. In a normal game, Just you wouldn't go to that planet anymore once the fungus was there. You just wouldn't go there. Should we talk about combat? Have we covered that, Sam, about hitting people and then they just retreat? You don't actually kill them? Yeah, uh, we, we haven't, but yes, let's. <laughs> um, I was, as we said earlier, I was scrapping with Lecky quite a bit throughout the game definitely uh, you were scrapping with me I was completely innocent by, by which I mean I sat there like a duck and just got shot at yeah repeatedly um, but that was to do with one of the mechanics I like and which will lead on to the combat but one of the mechanics I liked was the way you can control and influence a planet as two mm. separate yeah. entry point paths so I had controlled I got control of the planet by attacking it first then built up the influence 
then Lecky came in and took control of the planets, but it left me with the influence there. Yeah. The only difficulty I had then was I couldn't then go back and take control without losing all of my own influence. So you kind of had to just sacrifice that and move away from it, leave it alone, because you just lose too many points. It, it, yes, but it's a nice way of uh, managing the real estate of the board, isn't it? So it is, yeah. And that's what I, say. Can... I, I quite like that, yeah. that. I had to sort of weigh up whether I try and get those two victory points back, but lose the three that I was yeah. getting already. So you just move away. And it meant that the mercenaries could just chase you around the map and try yeah. and kick you and off. That's, a load of that's where the combat came in because the combat's very heavily influenced by the uh, recruits that you can get throughout the game, yeah. uh, which are different mercenaries or agents. They all have their own little special abilities. Uh, so you get those from influencing planets to become allies, and then you can actually recruit the uh, people from those planets. Now, I'd recruited some weak agents that weren't very great but it was part of an ongoing strategy I had. yeah then lucky came over with his ships full of heavily armed mercenaries <laughs> landed on the planets and just completely decimated everything i got quite lucky though because i think the agents that you had so like the particular species they had with you reduced my dice pool from like six down to one but yeah. then i just happened to roll a six <laughs> <laughs> and they were so powerful and they were still powerful. That, yeah, yeah there's nothing i could do about it yeah, exactly i think it was just a little bit unlucky there uh, but there's a lot of quite interesting mechanics throughout all the different species, and there's so many two of them to choose from in any game. There's about but nine on the board, eight on the board at any one time, plus one or two bonus ones like knocking about. There's, uh, there's uh, different allies for every planet, isn't there? Pretty mm. much. So it's however many planets you're playing with. Yeah, it's good, and then um, but it's quite expensive to recruit. Um, so I think some of the cheaper ones cost them about three credits per yeah, alien. But you start then off with your home, seven, yeah. start off your home ones, don't you? Which cost two, I think. And then the basic ones that I was trying to get was three because it was a special yeah. uh, reward I was going for. And then you, the ones you were getting up were cost seven, so that you know it's a heavy yeah. investment. Did, um, in terms of so with the mechanic of choosing turn order, so there's an active player per round who gets to choose if you're going to move and attack something or if you're going to use an action card or if you're going to use diplomacy. And then everyone else can either follow that action for free, pay an extra command point, so an extra action point really, to do something different, or they can refresh, so get all their action points back, get a bit of money back. Um, did anyone feel that at any point that kind of like locked them out of a turn or that it kind of changed their strategy quite dramatically from round to round? Or you're just happy to kind of follow on what everyone else was doing. I I liked it uh, only because the last podcast that I'd done was we were talking about civilization, uh, and we'd mentioned about Warhammer Quest, the card game, um, at the time, and they have similar mechanics there. But yeah, I do like this one. It's more like a civilization style where you're not locked out from any action. You might have to refresh or whatever, but you can do any of the actions at any time almost. So it doesn't lock you out, but you've got the chance of getting the the free ones uh, or you sort of sacrifice to, to go for the more powered ones. Yeah. So I still like that mechanic. I think it's really good. Mm. You, you do occasionally get sort of locked out, if you like, but you can ju just refresh. You're going to have to refresh anyway. Yeah. And it's not like it's a bad thing. You get loads of money. You get all your command points back. You get all your cards back. Um, there has been a couple of times uh, where you're sort of stuck with a refresh when you're the active player and that's not good like by any stretch. Because everybody else gets like really cheap free actions, do whatever they want, 
and that has happened a couple of times. That's kind of down to planning, though, isn't it? That's, I mean, that is poor planning. I really, yeah. I really like this, um, mm. like I did with Civilization and New Dawn, because you never feel like it's a waste of turn. Like you said, even a refresh mm. is that's like you say, get your money back, your cards back, and your actions back, and that still feels good, especially if you've leveled up a bit and you're actually getting more money than you know you would originally because you've built more cities or bases or whatever. But you never, even if it's effectively a miss a turn. It's not really missing a turn because you're still accumulating a load of resources and stuff. And I really like uh, games that offer you this, you know, so even if um, it's not the optimal move yet. Just just you make sure you refresh one. before you're the active player. Like if if, if the the, the yeah, player before wounded. you is active, yeah. refresh if you need to refresh. Do yeah. it now. <laughs> because, well, you get punished, don't you? Because yeah. not only are you wasting your turn on a refresh, you then... It, it's a specific action called scavenge, which allows the active player to get all the stuff back, but then it makes everyone else um, able to do any action they want at a much cheaper rate. And I love that. I think it's a really clever sort of balancing mechanism. And I also love that you can you can capitalize, you could get two or three or even four turns in a row without refreshing if you plan it all up front. Um, and, if, and if everything goes to plan, of course, and you don't get invaded or whatever. Um, which you will <laughs> which you very very will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah no I really I'm really starting to appreciate that where these games are we talked about lockout then but I don't, I don't really feel 100% like it does lock you out because in the worst case scenario you're still having a, a beneficial move yeah I mean there's been plenty of games uh, that we've played where somebody's done a move and then personally I feel like oh now my plan is ruined for this next turn and I, I can't do what I want to do because because they've took a resource or took something off me but with this I didn't feel like I was ever in trouble it's like uh right well I know what I'm going to do and if I can't do it this turn I can possibly do it next turn or if you know I can just refresh get more resources um so I was never frustrated as it were because I couldn't do something that I really wanted to do what do we think about the art? It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, and that Ryan did it himself, um, which obviously this whole game is a massive labour of love for him. I'm disgusted by the <laughs> amount of talent <laughs> that this man seems to have. Yeah. Not one stick figure in sight, is there? No. <laughs> it makes it feel like a more personal thing for him, really, because it's like he's done the design and the art. And uh, in the book as well, it shows you how he progressed. Uh, with the art wise we start how we started off and then how how much better he's got just from you know keeping trying mm. and stuff like that and and it does show really i think he did he do near and far as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that is great as well just um you know as an artist myself looking at color compositions color theory stuff like that he really knows what he's doing let's be honest though those miniatures are rubbish well, he did the miniatures himself as well. well maybe just stick to standees in future, Ryan, because, I mean, they're not good. Well, apparently he struggled to find anyone to, to do them for him. So he mm. just went ahead and, and went at it. And I don't think they're the best miniatures I've ever seen, but I mean, if you I think the, I think like Eclipse. I think the problem is, the problem is the standard of everything else is so high. The, the contrast is just so noticeable, <laughs> like on the table, on the box, like... They just it's it's like it's like they're from a different game. It's like they're from Eclipse. Oh, well, I'm going to give him a pass to that because sculpting is one of the hardest things. We, we will let you him could, off. You can do. <laughs> yes. It is. It is very difficult. So he's done well um, to make some convincing-looking spaceships that 
do they do suit the art of the uh, the alien as well. You know, you can Space tell they belong to who they belong to. One of the first things um, Dave said when we were setting it, or we both agreed, was um, we set up the board, which takes a long time. It yeah. does. There's like four pages of setup or something, yeah. and yeah. it's different each game, so you have to arrange the text and all that stuff. Um, and we had the board in front of us, and we were like, "Oh, it's busy." There's too much going on. It's really hard to pass, you know, at a first glance, what's happening here. Then in about three turns, we had it down. Yeah, and, and that, we was, that like, was going in cold, yeah, wasn't it? We'd, that was yeah. learning the rules as we play, which we swore yeah. we'd never do. Yeah. <laughs> and then we insisted, let's just learn it on the hop. And yeah, and we picked it up. And it, it, the actual gameplay is streamlined and, and easy to pick up. And the board, as busy as it looks to a first time of sitting in front of it, Within a few rounds, you'll you'll be on top of it. I think. I don't know what we. Well, there's you guys there's not actually that much on it. I think that a lot of it is just art, and I think on the board the planets do look beautiful, like really beautiful. And you've got a victory point track down one side, which doesn't intrude into everything. You've got space for the planets, and the the planets themselves are interchangeable because they're on tiles, mm-hmm. and they the tiles will support the cards, which will then go on it, and which will support your uh, your ships. And then at the top, you've got the the turn track, uh, the action track, sorry. So beyond that, there's not too much going on on the board. It's I think it's more about the art and a bit just sort of bring, drawing you in. It looks a bit, bit, bit busy, but when you know which each bit is, it's there's not that much going on there, I don't think. I, mean, I don't know what you guys feel. Yeah, the game, the game itself is quite easy to follow once you've got your head around the rules. So like, I think it was the first round or two, so about 10... Five to how many? Five turns, ten turns, <laughs> ten to five in turns, total, <laughs> and I've got a good idea of a grasp on what most most of your actions involved. And then there was just one or two things like when do I put resources down to build stuff and where do they go? Um, so for like learning the first game, it was um, it was real easy to pick up. Really, I enjoyed it. Um, it was one thing I was a little bit not worried, but. Um, with play after playing um, above and below and near and far, there were some like beautiful um, story-driven games. You get a little storybook, and you, you, whenever you do a, particular actions, you get to look up an entry and then read out of a story and resolve it. Um, this game's missing that, and I was worried that it'll feel like it was miss- missing a certain part of the Ryan Walker experience. But it didn't really. It all felt very tight. The mechanics were nice and balanced. There wasn't anything that seemed completely unfair. We didn't get any kind of crazy fungal disease <laughs> burning across the galaxy. I don't know if that, <laughs> yeah, if that might have made it feel a bit broken or something. But it just felt like a really tight, really fun game to play. Definitely on the bigger experience side, it took us was it about two hours to play it in the end with, with learning the rules. Closer to three, I think. Yeah, it was a bigger, bigger game, but not an overly complex one. It's not... Yeah. Not, too far out there. It was a three-hour game compared to like a five or six-hour eclipse, wasn't it? Yeah, with five oh, yeah. hours. Yeah, but the, just to touch back on the theme, I think the theme really comes through. Like we've only played it twice, but I know Measle Three is like a big industrial planet. Uh, you know, loads of corporate espionage going on, and that that just comes from the cars. Like it doesn't. There's no storybook or anything. We know that Mrocks like Endor, isn't it? But with a fungal plague, <laughs> like that forever, forever. That planet to me will be one to avoid, and <laughs> uh, just in case the plague's about. Like so, so the theme does come through. Yeah. Um, without having to have that sort of story. so it's still sort of the Ryan the, the Ryan Lorcat experience sort of thing. If you if you like. 
yeah yeah it feels yeah feels nice and story driven and but quite quite elegantly done and it feels quite effortless as well because you just read out a little bit of flavor text and then everyone kind of is like oh yeah that's nice and then you get back to it yeah because that does sort of break the flow like 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 just sight see fall like a lot of the time one of us will be reading from the book and everyone else is like not listening uh just sort of because it breaks the flow so much story time you call it story time and like it's like is it though because no one's listening i'm just reading to myself (laughs) a stupid accent everyone's trying to listen but also they think they're planning their next moves and it does because there's so much going on with this game in terms of how many actions you're allowed to take and if you want to do the cheaper action that the leader's taken, or if you want to try and spend a bit more, then it's nice just to listen to it, a quick introductory rule, a bit of flavor text to it, and then move on from that. Like you're saying, it's not pulling you away from what you're actually trying to get done too much. I think those uh, story text games work better with lower numbers, because like you say, <laughs> with, with five of us, we get quite chatty, and it takes um, focus for everyone to you know know what's going on. And the second someone starts going on with themselves over five paragraphs worth of text mm. you can see the shutters come down or you know and people's eyes or they just start talking amongst themselves and stuff so limiting it to just one line of flavor text on a card um or, or two lines i think is probably optimal um i can i do i like those story games i like the idea of them and everything but the execution just never feels quite right it does halt the flow a little bit i think the only way you could combat that is have every couple of sentences have a game thing happen you know, something that the players have to choose or action. See, I did like them. I feel like I've had enough of them now. You'd love uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights. <laughs> that was one of the first games me and Jackie got, was Tales of the And I did, I did. But then, like, stuff like um, Mice and Mystics, where everything you do near enough, you have to go and read the book. Oh, stop it. Like, And the gameplay... I mean, the gameplay was boring anyway. It was like I was glad to go and read the book. You're talking about Mice, Mice and Mystics. And Mystics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but no, I think... I think it's good that he's not just a one-trick pony. Like he's 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 doing different games, and the theme and the story is coming through in different ways. He is like a he's a great storyteller. Yeah. One tip though is if you are going to play it with your friends, set it up before they get there because it takes about half an hour to get everything right. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the setup the setup's huge, but I think for a game that's complex or or not. Maybe complex isn't the right word, but this uh, that has this much variety and yeah. sort of uh, depth to it, you have to have a big setup, I think. Yeah, it does look overwhelming when all the bits are coming out and you're thinking, oh, what's this? Oh, God, what's that? You know, it's like, mm. and there's more coming. And then the rules are getting explained and you just, your mind's full of what you were talking about. But then you, it, it does make it easier once you see it and then it clicks. It's fine. Yeah. One, one issue I did have, surprise, surprise, was with the combat. <laughs> Um, we should mention Dave actually did win, by the way. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well. well, no, it was actually quite tight, wasn't it? Tristan was only two points behind, yeah. And then, and then, what Sam was about three points behind Tristan. Jackie was one point behind Sam, no, and then Lucky was let's not last. Talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the combat it, it's simple, and it, which is what you want in a game like this because there is quite a lot of combat. It's just a dice roll, add a modifier. Uh, you're rolling a number of dice equal to whatever's on the things and you're just picking the highest dice. Um, the problem for me comes with the winner just gets a victory point and the loser has to retreat, but it doesn't lose any units. It just It's, it's not satisfying because all it becomes then is like a push-pull. So you'll take a planet mm. um, and then if that person leaves that planet, 
just go and get it back. I've got yeah. to do something else. Yeah. But it, it's it's never like there's never like a decisive victory, which yeah. I suppose in one way is good because you don't ever want to be out of the game. But it's just not satisfying. Maybe it's not crunchy. A recruit. Yeah, maybe when... something. Yeah, I get what you're saying because it is like you say it's push and pull, and you have mm. to really time those combats. And but it also means once you take a planet, you have to bolster yeah. the defenses. So it was really funny watching someone like just constantly swapping planets and like, oh, you've moved off. All right, I'll take that. They were getting um, free victory points, basically, weren't they? That, that, well, which, yeah, which is a sort of and it's that's a valid. It's like an alliance maybe. in a way. <laughs> victory Let's point just alliance. attack each other every turn. Um, <laughs> to run to us, then. But yeah, I'm, well, that that affected our whole end game, or at least my end game was our little battle for the planet that. Uh, Jackie discovered that you conquered and then I came and took and then it was how much resources do I invest in keeping this planet that's worth three victory points and and that completely fed into my, my last couple of rounds was defending that bolstering it and defending the planet I had nearby mm. whereas that, that was my sort of goal it, as well wasn't it it was that your was, bluff right because yeah. you, you could have I kept my forces near it yeah threatening it but I was actually. But you were working on another objective, and yeah. then I went. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, th- I think that works because um, if if you if you wipe someone else out of the game, like an eclipse, mm. where you can completely like destroy them, you know, you can wipe them off the map. Then you've got someone who's played a five-hour game, and you have to sit out the last hour or whatever, you know. And it's it's not as satisfying ex- as an experience as being able to still be in it right to the end, which I think most of us were in yeah. this game. And it wasn't. It wasn't. So like we said, victory points weren't that far apart, really. Maybe lucky. Um, I I started the game badly though. Like, um, I got a bit confused with one of the rules. Sorry. So it's not the game's fault. It's just me being a bit slow, and um, I got confused with how certain action cards worked. So I, I kind of burnt a few turns trying think, to get I to planets I didn't need to be. Um, I wasn't too far behind. No, it's, no. It's, I think it's quite tight. I think um I think it probably slipped more like six or seven because where I didn't complete any of the um, Empire cards. Mm. So the Empire cards are just like extra objectives to fulfill, like build all your bases or have a certain amount of resources. They're kind but, of what you want to go for, really. Yeah, but they give you a good two or three VPs each and you've got plenty of opportunities in the game to get more. Mm. Um, and I just didn't really satisfy those. And I think you guys managed to get one or two of them in and that just helped you pull ahead at the end. But in terms of actual scoring from planets... And scoring from your board uh, didn't do too badly at all. Yeah. Um, I think just because of the way that the game plays, and because someone else is picking actions almost, and then you're deciding to follow it or not, the game feels slower than it probably is. So if you start to lag behind, then all you really have to do is get a um, a go fetch mission completed, and you're caught up again. But psychologically, you still feel like you're a little bit behind because it's taken you a while to do that. Whereas actual stats say differently yeah quite like secret victory point objectives in games um especially in this one because i wasn't like i said i wasn't the sort of aggressive player and although lecky you know was further behind at the end during gameplay i was looking at his you know tableau of everything he had and he had all these recruits and he had all these planets and i was starting to think oh god am i doing the wrong idea here um but i did manage to get one of my secret objectives and in the end it that sort of all added up so i was like oh i didn't really have to worry then because Mm. the the way i played it it worked out for a bit better even though like he had a lot more color on the board as it were it 
it looked overwhelming, but it it was okay. So I yeah. think it's just because somebody looks like they they might be winning, they may not be, which is it keeps you playing basically instead of losing hope and going like oh well I've lost because everyone else has got all these colors on the board and I don't. It's it makes it like um, a bit. I like just like the secret objective thing. It just it just keeps you in the game. I think yeah. it's a lot better. The perfect example of that was I almost ran out of influence tokens, but they were all <laughs> just on two planets pretty yeah. much. Uh, and it was great, so no one was going to go after those, but it was just wasted in the end. And uh, So it looked like I had a lot down. It looked great, but it didn't actually account to much in the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was lots of like nice little quirks and rules in the game, which meant that you could build up points quite effectively. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about the, the research tree, because I think it's one of the most elegant um, research systems tech tree efforts that I've seen. And obviously with it being like a space exploration game, it's, it's not it's not a 4X. I think we've talked about this, but it's not a 4X. It's just an area control game, but it's got that research element. Mm. And what you're doing is you're just taking a good and paying a, you, you throw a card away. Um, it varies depending on the tech that you're going for. And then you just cover the tech up. It's worth a victory point, but it also gives you like a unique thing. And each race's tech tree is different and they're really quite different. Like the t- I play two of the, the races now. The uh, the Screech guys, um, they're basically like the tyrannists, the parasites. The parasites yeah. yeah, they're like the, the the things from Starship Troopers, aren't they? Kind of, um, and they were all about sort of numbers in combat and combat. A lot of combat stuff in their tech tree and parasites and spores and stuff. Uh, and then the ones I had today were sort of warping around all over the place. I saw the um, which ones were you, Lecky? Oh, um, I was the yeah. blue guys. The armoured insects. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, the legions. Oh, the legions. Yes. Of Demicus or Demica. Yeah, and, and they've got completely different yes, tech yeah. stuff again. Um, but it, it's really, really simple. But it just, it's just, yeah. it's streamlined, but not in a bad way. That's inter- it's interesting you say that because I kept looking at Sam's tech tree and it looked almost identical. So I don't know if there's a couple of like vanilla tech trees in there. Well, um, I was the boring dull faces, the nomads of human uh, human nomads or whatever it was. Well, we all yeah. get we all get cloaking. Yeah, there is yeah. some like cloaking and warbots. I don't know if everyone's yeah. got them, but there's yeah, a I couple did, that yeah. are common. But then the ones that are unique are like quite unique. Like the warping one that I had, game changer. The other one that I had let me have the two event, the two empire cards. That so was, was that a, um, on your that tech was a tree? Tech, that yeah. was insane that won the game yeah. i think so that because you had how many how many empire cards did you score? i had four, like four but i scored three scored. of them yeah yeah but they were and quite like high the scoring scored about one and those yeah. those are big points gains aren't yeah. they? yeah so the the i forget what they were called but the guys that i had the two texts that i went for at the beginning of the game one let you get more of these cards that score objectives and the other one let you spend those cards to just warp on the board wherever you wanted to go yeah which which was just insane as well. Um, so <laughs> perfect storm. Yeah. So the the tech trees really make the races feel different because there's a couple of other things on the boards that make them feel different. Like I think the the screech guys can have more bases on their world ship, my like stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think we talked about it before, but I do prefer asymmetry. I do as well. Definitely. 
gives you it gives you when you just play a different race next time. You, f- and it's you like feel a more invested, game, isn't it? You feel more invested every time. I used to yeah. think um, even even just a minor bonus, you know, just a minor setup change. Um, but after playing that tonight and and seeing like the different race bonuses, if you compare them to Civilization New Dawn, which yeah. I was really impressed yeah. with, the actual differences between the factions were almost well, unnoticeable. Might as well not be there. Some yeah. of them. What's that? Sorry, they might as well not be there. Some yeah, of them. no, you're right. Yeah, yeah there's. Um, we'd get through an, an entire game without even activating some of them, and then, or you'd get someone like France, which would have like a, a significant bonus, like ongoing bonus. Um, but here, yeah, I, I I forgot actually that I had the extra world ship and um, the extra base slot, I guess, on on the world ship where you can build an extra city, sort of thing. So, and and that does make a, a huge difference. Um, but yeah, they still feel quite tight you know like you said the scores were close um and no it's elegant it's it's great looking i really enjoyed it yeah definitely it was a really good really good game i was um i was excited to play it and i wasn't disappointed at all what did you think yeah i really liked it if the artwork had been a bit more plain i think i wouldn't have been as into it it would have been a bit more i don't know clinical and boring but because it just made it yeah. Aesthetically, it was just nice to play and look at. But I think because you can see the artwork, it's easy to attribute to like the fact that the theme hits so well because of it. But the mechanics and the way that the story plays out, and the whole game really plays up to the theme in a brilliant way. Dave and Sam, summary opinions. Um, I really enjoyed it. It sort of sits on the heavier end of the game, but complexity-wise, it's a little bit simpler, as I mentioned before. So it sort of sits below likes of Eclipse. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I think it offers quite a lot, and uh, it's got quite a few cool mechanics in there. Uh, that was cool, not cool. <laughs> Dave, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's alright, isn't it? <laughs> Great summary. And we'll be back <laughs> next week. <laughs> Brilliant. So thanks very much for joining us for another instalment of Board Chitless. Uh, we're really thankful for all you chitheads that keep coming back each week and like, having a listen. Please remember to uh, comment, if you can, on SoundCloud or iTunes and give us a bit of a rating. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.